When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Nothing to say, but what a day. How's your boy been? All right, 402. Big Bonnie, we're here with you on this Wednesday morning. One hour left in our five-hour midnight ride. Chris Lepresti will be in as part of the warm-up show today. So make sure to check that out in a mere hour. But until then, let's talk all the nonsense we talk. We opened up with the Knicks, obviously. Eight in a row as they take down the Utah Jazz. 118-103. No Randall. No problem. No OG. Again, with an elbow inflammation, no problem. They step up and they beat the once 500, now a game under 500. Utah Jazz, who I, I when I, I said it, when, when Ananobi was out of this game, I was nervous about the game. You got a Utah team that's not terrible, not very good, but not terrible, not like Charlotte the other day, coming off an embarrassing loss against the Nets. And, I mean, how long can they do this? How long can the Knicks keep it up? You just figured a letdown was was obvious. The back-to-back night, second without OG. You know, it just seemed like a, a, a game I was concerned about. And yet, when they need guys to step up, that's exactly what happens. DiVincenzo has been an absolute stud for them, especially since the trade, especially since being instituted into the starting lineup. He goes 9 for 15 from three-point land, nine three-pointers, scores 33 points to obviously lead the Knicks, allows Brunson to be a facilitator early on when his, his, his shooting, uh, he went through a little bit of a, a shooting struggle at the beginning of the game, was able to focus on getting other guys the ball hard, Plays 43 minutes, has a triple-double, or, uh, you know, is uh, is just 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And DiVincenzo in particular has really stepped up and taken over that scoring. It's been two games, granted. But, I mean, right now the Knicks are as hot as a pistol, and he's stepped up and really been that secondary scorer without Randall. They're four. 14 and 2 in the month of January, the most wins in a month since March of 1994. I mean, March of 1994, they've won their last eight games. And they're doing it right now with Randall. They're in the midst of a six game homestand, the longest of the season. Then they have a couple games and then the, the, the eight day break of the All Star break. I mean, and hopefully, as we wait news on exactly how long Randall's going to be out, this is the time. If you're ever going to miss him, like right now, feels like an opportunity. The way they're playing, as hot as they are, as much as it seems to work, whether they have, you know, even their third, you you could argue, obviously, OG's their third best player. You're missing two of your three best players, and you are blowing out teams like the Utah Jazz. I don't care if they're 500 or game under now. I don't care. The NBA is not an easy place to play. It's not easy to win these games. It's not easy to just pull away from everybody in the the third quarter, as they've done time and time again during this eight-game winning streak. And Brunson is going to have an opportunity to show, I mean, 
how great he is, and he's already stepped up. But I mean, gee, I mean, this team. Uh, you look what you get from a, guys like Achua, who come in and play forty minutes in this game, and score eighteen points. I mean, he had ten rebounds in ten minutes the other night. Like everybody is doing it. Everybody's stepping up. Sims plays nineteen minutes in this game. And get your four, you know, four rebounds. Like he, it's unbelievable how hot the Knicks are right now. And as they continue on this six-game winning streak, they are now officially alone in third place in the Eastern Conference. They are third place. They are the three seed right now in the Eastern Conference. And they are on fire. And another night of a just absolute party in the fourth quarter. Another night of watching this team play good defense, move the ball, shoot the three efficiently. Brunson, you know, has uh, how many assists in this game? Nine assists in this game. Hart has 10. They move the ball, and DiVincenzo has been an absolute rock star, and he is so confident. You could see every time he gets the ball, he's looking to shoot it. Whether it's from five five feet behind the arc, whether it's coming off a screen, whether it's alone in the corner, whatever. The, if, if he has a look at all, he's taking it. He is playing extremely well. He is playing extremely confident, and he is right now numero uno on the list of guys who need to step up with Bronson down and be that secondary scorer to to, to Brunson. Uh, with Randall down, needs to be that secondary scorer to Brunson. And the first two games, he has stepped up. And last night, he won them that game. With a 33-point performance, has the Garden rocking. And this team right now, that's really the story for me. Yes, they're winning. Yes, it's the best month they've had since 1994 in March. Yes, you know they're on an eight-game winning streak. Yeah, they've become the best defensive team in the NBA since the trade. All of it. But right now, the best thing about this team is the excitement we are getting on a nightly basis. And the fight and the grit. And whether they're if they're down, you believe in them. If they get a lead, you know they'll hold on to it and further it. Like, everything you could possibly look for in a team. They have, they have absolutely checked every single box. And they are a couple pieces. I mean, right now, yeah. The old story in the NBA, it's not just the conversation that the Knicks have. It's the conversation any team that doesn't have a superstar has. What can you do to bolster the team? You got to get the superstar if you want to win a championship in the NBA, right? Blah, blah, blah. We know it. It's not, I say blah, 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 but we know it's true. And the Knicks need to figure out something. I I, I, I love the chemistry. I'd be a little hesitant to, to make a move because of it. But to me, I have never been more confident. I mean, I heard BT today say they're the best-run organization from any franchise in, in our city, and that's probably true at the moment. But just just focusing on the Knicks, when's the last time you felt this good? Look at the last couple of moves that Rose has made, right? And the last free, free the last three free agents are uh, Brunson, Hartenstein, and DiVincenzo. And Hart and Ananobi are the last two trades. I mean, they he... Every single, and the the thing about the Ananobi trade, too, is it was instant. Like, they targeted exactly what they needed, and the second they got it, they were able to implement it, put it into system, and beat the one seed in the West, and just go off on a tear 14-2 and two the next 16 games. Like, instant impact, instant understanding of what the team needed, what the team needed to move on from, and how to best suit Thibodeau's coaching style. And right now, they are on fire. They're the hottest team in the NBA. 
and it's time to go out there and you know hopefully we get the news and it's it's weeks not months is being reported for Randall. He's back in a month. He's back in a month and a half at the longest. They're able to you know stabilize and figure out a way to win most of their games down the stretch. They built a cushion here with this big, uh, you know, with this big uh, January. And hopefully you're out there before the All-Star break. For me, looking to get that third scorer, that leader of that second unit, someone who can come in because they really don't have anyone else that can get their own shot. Like, they need someone to come in and be the the leader of that second unit, whether it's Brogdon. We saw um, Jordan Clarkson in this game who leads the NBA in points off the bench for Utah. I don't know, I don't know if that's plausible, if Danny Ainge would be willing to move on from him, but... He didn't particularly play well in the game, but he's been a guy who scored points off the bench. You need that guy to replace what quickly did. And if you can get that and you can have, you know, a healthy Randall playing the way he was playing, Brunson playing the way he's playing, DiVincenzo shooting the way he's shooting and playing the way he's playing since he entered the starting lineup, you might, you just might have a team that's currently sitting third in the Eastern Conference that could be as good as anyone. Maybe, just maybe. It's time to dream. I mean, they are playing as good a brand of basketball as they have in 30 years. It's amazing. Charlie in Queens. What's up, Charlie? Uh, yeah. Um, the Knicks, they remind me a lot of two teams of the Knicks past. The 70s Knicks, mm-hmm. where they're using their heads. They're playing like a team. They're a unit. They're a team, which I've always felt, you can have your Jordan, but I'd rather have a really good team. Uh <sighs> I mean, I, I, you mentioned the seventy. You mentioned the seventies Knicks. They won two in three years. Jordan won, you know, six and eight. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying as a team thing. I like the team concept. I understand that everyone does, but I mean, you know, I'd rather have Jordan. But I get you. Okay, and during this streak, a song ran through my mind before I get to my Hackman point. Um, you remember H. Fraley of Kiss? They had those solo albums they made. Uh, vaguely. I mean, I remember they they went without the makeup for one album, and they, you know, I'm, I guess they had yeah. All friend. the albums, I'm sorry, all the albums like eh, the only one that did somewhat well, people felt was the Ace Fraley album. Yeah, but there's one song I kept on playing through my mind with this team, back in the New York groove. Yeah, sure. And I mean, uh, the hat. Oh, okay, sorry. No, I'm just saying if you've if you've heard Steve Summers throughout the years, we have used New York groove a ton of times. That is a very popular. Uh, song for one of our bits here at the station. I've heard New York Groove a bunch, so yeah, I hear it. They're they aren't a New York Groove right now. And uh, the other thing is, I was telling you the person who was handling my call. Mm-hmm. There's a Hackman South Park crossover in a way. It was part of a South Park episode. I don't think he did the voice. Uh huh. It was the one with stem cells, and Christopher Reeves was like becoming the bad guy. And Hackman was the good guy. I, I've never seen it. I got to check that out. I've never seen that one with with Gene ha- Gene Hackman in in an episode of uh, South Park. I don't remember. I gotta, I got to check that out. But those South Park guys, they're pretty hilarious. I was just watching. I was flipping through the other day, and I caught uh, basketball. Love basketball. Tremendous movie. Don't mention it to um, certain broadcasters, though. They do not like their roles in it. Uh, Peter in Lawrence. What's up, Pete? Well, I was um, scanning the uh, web to see the scores. Scanning the the interweb, right? Sure, like everybody does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I'm I'm impressed with how the Knicks have played. Sure. I'm hoping that Wandy gets resigned. Oh, we need Wandy Peralta and Gene back. Gene Hackman was in the Poseidon Adventure. Am I the only one who no. saw that movie? No, it's been mentioned. Uh, it's not one of my favorite movies, but it's been mentioned at least two or three times. The Poseidon Adventure. This it, it's an excellent movie. I saw it when I was twelve years old. Uh huh. Very impressed. Yeah, it was a it very was a, well. Listen, Gene Hackman's a tremendous actor. It's just not one of my favorite, and and I tend to lean towards older Gene Hackman. To be fair, like most of the Gene Hackman movies I love come from the 90s or later. I mean, Unforgiven is where it starts for me. I mentioned Unforgiven yesterday. Love Unforgiven. He goes right into The Firm, great classic Tom Cruise movie. Quick and the Dead, Crimson Tide, Get Shorty, my personal favorite. Love Get Shorty. John Travolta, uh, Danny DeVito. Even a little bit of Tony Soprano up in there. The Birdcage, uh, Absolute Power with Clint Eastwood, Enemy of the State, Will Smith, The Replacements, Royal Tenenbaums, Runaway Jury with John Cusack. I mean, those all, he had some run in the late 90s, late in his career, man. He was killing it. Just as some, just as some actors start to fade, Gene Hackman went on an absolute tear. He was very much like the Knicks in the third quarter. He hit the halftime of his career and came out. I don't know. Tibbs must have given him some sort of speech 1989 because Gene Hackman came out rip-roaring from 1990 through 2004 and welcomed the Mooseport. I mean, it's a it's an unceremonious end there with welcome the Mooseport, but man, oh, man, what a run in his 50s and 60s. And it was his birthday yesterday, 94 years old. So, I mean, I guess even into his 70s, right, 94 in, in 2024, so, yeah, in 2004, he's 74. Gene Hackman had one hell of an end of his career. Pulled away from the other actors of his, his generation, as far as I'm concerned. Gene Hackman is one of those guys. You flipping through the channels, you catch a Gene Hackman movie, you do not change that movie. To me, the the, the two movies that I call the, the TNT movies, like on a Saturday you're flipping through, you'll even deal with the commercials for them. It's on USA, it's on TNT, it's on TBS. You stop, you watch the whole thing. The two movies for me are A Few Good Men and Shawshank Redemption. Those are the two movies that, for whatever reason, always are on one of those channels, and you just stop and you watch the whole thing. You deal with the commercials and everything else. And it, and the movie lasts four hours because of the commercials. It's on all freaking day. You go do whatever, you got to go run to the store, you come back, you catch it just in time for the interrogation of Colonel Jessup, and you feel like, wow, I had a great day. I saw the early part where he yells at him for wearing his uh, the the white uniform. Saw all of it. I saw the 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 scene where he went cle- clearly nuts and he said, oh, "The Rocco Clubbo School for Women." I forgot you weren't at law. You weren't at uh, at law school the day they sco- they taught law at law school or whatever it was. Yeah, you got that scene in Jacobson decides to off himself in full regale. You saw the whole thing. And you still ran around and took care of what you had to take care of. You called the phone company. You took care of everything. And you still got to watch pretty much the entire A Few Good Men. Classic. From from hitting softballs at the beginning to walking out of that courtroom at the end. You feel like a changed person on a Saturday. It's a, a productive movie day. That's what I like to call it. 877-337-6666. McMonagall here with you at 4 o'clock. 
Got you for another 45 minutes right here on the fan. Continue to take your phone calls. The Knicks are on fire. I didn't get a chance. Maybe we'll bring up a couple things baseball I still haven't brought up. Somebody the Yankees took a look at that despite the obvious immediate, no, maybe not worth, maybe not such a bad idea to take a look at him. And then the cover of MLB The Show, major problem with it, major problem. Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. Boom, boom. Hello there. The angel of my nightmare. 423. McMonagle here with you. 877-337-6666. 66. How are you? I'm so sorry. That was like the, the 90s voice you had to have. It was either that or the grunge. One or the other. You had to have a voice, though, first. I'm working on mine. 423. Another 40 minutes until the warm-up show. I just mentioned uh, a problem with MLB The Show. We talked about the Orioles and their sale from the Angelos family. And that impact in the American League East. And another American League East foe of the New York Yankees is back in the news. As the cover of MLB The Show, which I don't know if it has the same sex appeal as cover of Madden. Nor do I know if it has the same kind of jinx. I think there is a little bit of a jinx on any kind of cover. Uh, But they did announce the player who is going to be on the cover of MLB The Show 24, which in my, is my, you know, really the only the video game I play. That's about it. And then obviously the wrestling with my kids, because if I don't, I'm going to have to just bang my head into a wall because they won't stop asking me to play. So I play that one and I play MLB The Show. And on the cover of the show is none other than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So here's a couple things on that. One, Vlad has really not been Vlad for a couple years. Uh, I think there are far better players. Now, not necessarily that it has to be the best player. Right? It doesn't have to be Judge and Otani every single year or, or you know, Garrett Cole or whoever you deem to be the best player or Acuna. It doesn't have to be the best player. It could be someone, and, and Vlad's a big name. Obviously, his father's a Hall of Famer. And for a while there, you, he came up with, you know, an amazing amount of hype. And he's been a great player, but last year, eh. Two years ago, excellent. Last year, the year before, eh. But the thing I really have a problem with, as a Yankee fan specifically, is the actual picture of him on the cover. Because the picture of Vlad on the cover, while it's colorful and and it looks fun and all, he's giving the shh. With his finger on his lip. Now this is a man who likes to talk. About the Yankees. About how he would never sign with the Yankees. Because he likes beating the Yankees. Meanwhile I'm racking my brain. Trying to find a big game that he actually did beat the Yankees in. And I'm still wondering. When the hell they're going to win a playoff game. Considering they can't even beat the Minnesota Twins. In a playoff series. When the Minnesota Twins are the kings of losing playoff games. They went on like a 17-year run of losing playoff games until they met the Toronto Blue Jays. 
But Vlad likes to talk about how he likes to beat the Yankees and this and that. And that whole Blue Jays team likes to run their mouth. They're a bunch of young, you know, all their daddies were MLB players. Frauds. And every chance he gets, he likes to disparage the New York Yankees. So enjoy your cover art. But maybe you should take your own advice and do a little shushing. Because I'm yet to find a, a big-time game. A couple years ago, 2021, both teams are battling for the wild card. Yankees went into Toronto and took two out of three and secured their spot so they can get whooped by the Red Sox and Garrett Cole could spit the bit. But it wasn't the Blue Jays in that game, now was it? Enjoy the cover. And I'm going to have to buy this stupid game with you on the cover. And not that I dislike him. I just like rivalries. And now he's he's inserted himself into the rivalry. So let's go. Let's have the Angel, let's have the the Orioles young talent young talented farm system and owners with money bring it on. All right, let's have these Blue Jays actually finally do something. Let's have the Rays continue to be the smartest organization in baseball. And let's have the Red Sox actually do something instead of investing in golf. Apparently, their ownership group is investing in um, in the Live Tournament, in the uh, Live Golf. So we'll see. But I'm telling you right now, that offseason might have been over underwhelming, and I'll say it, screaming from the mountaintop, dis- slightly disappointed in the Yankee offseason. Yankees are going to win that division. Yankees are going to win that division. And then Juan Soto in a Yankee uniform will be the cover of the 2025 MLB The Show. Mark my words. Said it right here. Scott Buffalo. What's up, Scott? Scott. Great Scott. Are you there? You're not. Poor Scott. And what else is there to do in Buffalo at 428? But call me. Let's be honest. You just ruin your morning. Eric and Ron Conkamu. What's up, Eric? Well, we know he's not eating buffalo wings, apparently. Well, maybe that's why he couldn't talk. Maybe that's what it know. is. I don't know. At 428 in the morning, yeah. that's a, it's a little early for buffalo wings. But maybe up there they brush their teeth with them. I don't know. Well, <laughs> all right. I got I to say you, you redeemed yourself a little bit with me uh, yesterday after you mentioned Lord of the Rings. Because I can't give myself enough Lord of the Rings. Love Lord of the Rings. What did I do? What did I do that needed redeeming? Oh, well, because how much you uh, hated Tombstone. Yesterday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, I hate Tombstone. Right. Tombstone sucks. Yeah. Yep. I forgot. Right. So, Terribly yeah, we're, we're not going to get back into that again. So, nope. Uh, Kevin Costner's wider but, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, the, the Hobbit and all the Lord of the Rings movies, I mean, I, I can't get enough of it. Though. Yep. They're but, the uh, you know, I mean, but you rattled off some, some, you know, excellent Gene Hackman movies. I mean, uh, Crimson Tide is among... My my favorite. I mean, the the, mm-hmm. the cat mouse. Uh, you know, between him and uh, Denzel Washington, that, yep. that whole you know the whole movie is excellent. And uh, but I, I don't know if you ever saw. Um, it's a little earlier than the ones you mentioned. Uh, Class Action. If you ever saw that one, where he's an attorney and uh, he goes squares off against his daughter. Actually, who's also an attorney. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's an excellent thriller. Lawrence Fishburne's in it also. So it's a very good movie. So uh, I'd say probably late 80s, very early 90s. I just, I I didn't remember it by name. I clicked on it on the IMD page and the picture came up and it's the, I forget the actress's name. 
Mary uh, Elizabeth Mistnitz. Yeah, O'Neill. but she she was yeah. uh, Maid Marian in the Kevin Costner uh, Robin yeah, Hood. Yeah, and Robin I, Hood, yeah. I vaguely remember seeing this movie on in some level. I don't remember it, but I remember him and her in the courtroom together on some level. But I probably have to go back and watch it. I don't remember it that well. Yeah, that's a very good movie. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. But but if you think about it, a lot of the you know, a lot of the movies you mentioned. I mean, the the cast in general was excellent. I good, mean, yeah. Uh, you know, the Birdcage, phenomenal. I yep. mean, uh, you know, replacements. I mean, the, all all of these. You know, uh, uh, you know, movies had had you know great cast, and of course they all feed off each other. So sure, just I mean, this, this, the only one I, I wasn't crazy about. Don't, don't know if you saw it. Uh, Heartbreakers with uh, Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt. And, yeah, and well, like I said, uh, I remember seeing the movie, but for some reason, yeah. I just remember that's one of Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember much else from that movie except for Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh. That is at the height of her success. She uh, go watch Heartbreakers and tell me you remember anything else besides Jennifer Love Hewitt in that movie. I mean, he's like some rich guy, and Sigourney Weaver's trying to seduce him. They're uh, a, um, a daughter, a mother-daughter duo who, you know, try and you know bilk uh, men out of their money rich men out of their money, and then, you know, she ends up falling in love with, you know, some broke guy. You know the story. We've seen it a thousand times. But Jennifer Love Hewitt is uh, quite attractive in that movie. If you get a chance, just check it out. Just a suggestion. If you have time when you're not watching A Few Good Men or Andy Dufresne call, crawl through a tunnel of crap to come out clean on the other side. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. All right, one more quick break. We'll come back. Rapid fire time. If you want to do, uh, you know, Sigourney Weaver movies, we can do Sigourney Weaver movies. Heartbreak is not a great movie. It's all right. It has its moments, but she is. Go check it out. Jennifer Love Hewitt looks great in that movie. But we can talk a little baseball, too, as we did uh, there with the the Yankees and their offseason. Uh, I don't think they're going to get a pitcher, and we talked a lot about the Mets in their offseason, and it sounds like people will tell you they're, they're interested in the bat. Yeah, sure. Oh, no, they're looking. They're looking. They're checking under every rock and through every bush. But yet, Justin Turner, perfect fit, right-handed bat. Could have been a nice come-back-home kind of story. He had 23 home runs, 96 RBIs last year, 96 RBIs for the Boston Red Sox last year. Was a huge part of their offense, huge leadership to their team. You know, maybe part of, you know, building a young core and letting these young players uh, play and develop is bringing some leadership to the team, too. Not that they're completely void of it, but, I mean, Justin Turner is one of the better teammates in Major League Baseball. Maybe that would have helped. I don't know. Something, something that you might actually put forth that shows on any level that you're interested in 2024. Just a little bit. I mean, just a little bit. There has been zero, zero done to make me think the Mets have even the slightest care about what goes on in 2024. They've got bigger fish to fry. They've got a decision to make on the first on on the first baseman. They've got decisions to you know we got to find out young kids to, whether they're part of this bright future that's coming. Oh, it's bright and it's coming. It's just not right now. 
And it doesn't matter. Anything else to that, a, a veteran player for a one-year contract that won't hinder that plan at all? Not interested. A starting pitcher in uh, Montgomery who is in the prime of his career, who could be with you for the next five years and a stabling force inside a rotation? Why? That's the how. I guess that doesn't fit their timeline. Let's wait until next year. No need to bring in a pitcher now whose market has completely collapsed upon itself and might be able to get on the cheap who's young enough to still be part of this team in five, six years. But, hey, why do that? Why bring a bat? Why bring a pitcher? Let's just throw a whole bunch of guys out there who we have real no confidence in and then tell you, yeah, we're looking to compete this year. Sounds great. I'm all – It's what a wonderful job. I'm really impressed with this Mets plan. I got to tell you. I can't wait for the 2024 20, Mets season. Mets fans, you should be thrilled. I hope you're flocking to go buy season tickets. You should be because this year they are re- they're going all out. Should be a fun season. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. McMonagle here with you, 877-337-6666. You can also hit me up on Twitter. We've had a lot of fun today messing around with uh, Gene Hackman, and act, I don't know why. Yesterday, someone asked me on Twitter about Kurt Russell and my favorite Kurt Russell movie, and it spawned like an entire hour of phone calls yesterday. So I thought we'd have some fun. I heard it was Gene Hackman, one of my personal favorite actors, his birthday, so I thought I'd try it today. And you guys didn't disappoint. You guys love your Gene Hackman. Love that Gene Hackman. I also wanted to uh, mention, uh, I teased this before, too. There was a pitcher the Yankees have taken a, a gander at, one of 15 teams to check out his bullpen. Um, and, you know, you would think, especially with his lace, his uh, recent success or lack thereof, he's been brutally bad. But I'm kind of interested at the the idea of Noah Syndergaard. So Noah Syndergaard trying to work his way back into Major League Baseball. Obviously, former Met. You all remember. You all remember him. You all remember Thor. He's been awful. He got hit hard the last two years really bad. Last year, he had a a 6.5 ERA. He had a 7.16 with the Dodgers in 12 games. And he wasn't too much better with Cleveland. Uh, But... If he still throws hard, I would I think people actually question this while he was still a starter. The idea of taking a flyer on Noah Syndergaard and seeing what you can get in the bullpen with him is is isn't that bad an idea for me. Like I don't think it's that crazy. He's been bad, don't get me wrong, and I know he pitched mainly out of the bullpen for the Dodgers. Actually no, game started. I thought he did pitch out of the bullpen. No, he started. I, I see him as a bullpen guy 
And and I'm intrigued by that. If he could still throw hard and he can limit himself to two pitches and he doesn't have to focus on a full repertoire, getting through a lineup, just go out there, throw gas, be that aggressive guy who threw the ball uh, you know, up and in in the World Series, build a little confidence. Matt Blake is one of the best pitching coaches in baseball. You bring him in, you take a chance on him. I, I don't think it's that crazy, but that's something. Now, I don't know how many teams are going to be in on him. Obviously, 15 went to go see him. So I could see other teams taking a chance on someone who's now, what, 30, 30 years old? He's going to be 31 this year? When's his birthday? August. So he turns... Oh, yeah, he turns, he turns 32 this year. So he's going to turn 32 in August. So most of the season he's 31, whatever. But someone who throws hard, you can eliminate... A couple of pitches, get him to just be a fastball slider pitcher. Uh, Matt Blake is one of the best pitching coaches. Get him in here, work him up, take a flyer on him. I don't know if he'd be willing to do that. I don't know if he's looking for a rotation spot. If 15 teams are out there, I'm sure maybe someone would be willing to throw him in the back end of the rotation or at least sign him to the contract with the understanding of giving him an attempt to be a starter. But if if I were him at this point in his career, and he's been kind of failed here, he's had injury problems, transition to the back end of the bullpen. Come out there, throw as hard as you can for as long as you can. Limit yourself to two pitches. Come in, try and blow people away, get some swings and misses, and kind of rejuvenate your career here and forget trying to make it through a lineup. I would be interested if he'd be willing to come here to New York, you know, come back to a place he's familiar with, maybe, you know, raise his profile a little bit, come in here and be a a, a bullpen piece on a, a small-term contract, obviously. That'd be something. I don't know how interested he is in that, but he's been awful. Like last year, he had a minus one point one WAR, he had a six point five ERA, he had a one point three WHIP, fifty six strikeouts and in eighty innings. He's not striking anybody out. I would transition to the back end of the bullpen if he can make it to the back end of the bullpen. But if I'm, a, I don't think it's crazy. I don't. I you know I would be, I would take a flyer on someone like that as a. Uh, a, uh, a reliever, someone who can come in. I know he throws 99 miles an hour. As long as the fastball is still there, you take a look at the bullpen. If you like what you see, I'd offer him a deal to come, you know, see if he could be a piece in the bullpen. I don't mind that. 877-337-6666. Joe in Boston. What's up, Joe? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I, I just wanted to say I've been listening to what my dad since, like, 1988. You guys are awesome. Oh, the, old cast, the old cast and the new. And thank you. Well, thank you. I was and you're curious. Uh, I don't know if I caught you after work. If it was Snell you were talking about, don't you think the Mets could sign Snell? They could have signed Turner to a two-year deal and had a good veteran in the clubhouse. Like, well, what do they you? They could have signed Turner to a one-year deal. I, I understand not signing Snell. To be totally honest with you, for me, the Mets the better fit is Montgomery. He just seems like someone who's a little bit sturdier, someone who's going to pitch a little bit longer, someone who's going to make a little bit less annually. Uh, I, I just I just think he's a little bit of a better fit. Uh, has already, has, has already pitched in New York. What's that? You think they're finished? Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's rumors they're looking for a bat, and they're always, you know, they're you you could be looking for uh, another arm somewhere, either in the rotation, uh, you know, back in the rotation, some depth piece. But it sounds like, I mean. It sounds like they have limited money to spend because they're at the tax threshold and he doesn't want to spend double. I get that, but 
you got it. It's one thing to be the Yankees and feel like that after they went out and traded for Juan Soto and brought in Verdugo and signed Stroman. Like they took flyers. This uh, that's what that's all they've done. Like you've got to improve this lineup, otherwise you're not really whatever you could you could say whatever you want that you expect. You could expect in one hand, and you know what in the other. I'm sorry. I, they need another bat. You cannot go into this season just playing, you know, Beatty and Vientos and just saying, that's it. Vientos is going to get 600 bats this year. Like, I, uh, You can do both. You can still give – you can you can figure out a way to get him at bats, bring him along, give him a solid look, and bring in a, re, a legitimate major league hitter. And it just feels like, you know, if $13 million is too steep a price, who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? Now, I don't know if I, – I, I don't think Turner really harbors any ill will or wouldn't come back to the Mets. So I don't – you know, it always takes two to tango. I, I didn't get any feel that he wouldn't want to be a Met again. I just it, – it, it boggles my mind that they are not going to give themselves a legitimate chance – to feel like they're a solid playoff team. They did a couple of things. Mason in Plainview. What's up, Mason? Hey, Chris. Thanks for taking my call. First you got all, it, I buddy. I want to say um, love, love your energy. Love your vibe. I think you're up on an upward trajectory. Enjoy listening to you. No, oh, thank you. Um, quick comment. Grew up with, you know, yeah, I'm 48 now. I think you and I are around, probably around the same age. Grew um, up I'm 40. I turned 40 this year, yeah. 40. Gary Sheffield, Ken Griffey Jr., yep. all those guys. I'm, you know, I really, really would like to see Gary Sheffield in the Hall of Fame. I you and me both, for, brother. Yeah, his, if you look at his numbers, pound for pound, at some point he should be in. Um, I'm a big Don Manley fan. I <clears> feel if you got, you know, if Joe Maurer's in the Hall of Fame, he did have a wonderful, prolific career, all with the Minnesota Twins. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if he was truly, truly a Hall of Famer, right? Being a catcher, yes, and then they transitioned him yeah. to being a first baseman. His numbers were good, um, but if you're looking at Joe Maurer, you got to get Gary Sheffield in there at some point, and hopefully the There's Veterans no Committee will bring Mattingly in yeah. at some point. Uh, but, uh, well, now that's up to the veterans. Same thing as Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield is now off the ballot. He is done. There's, right. There is no more yeah. voting for Gary Sheffield. They're, they're, he can get through the Veterans Committee, same thing as Don Mattingly, who I think came close last year. Um, or was at least argued for. Let's start with the Gary Sheffield one. I, I've gone over this before. Gary Sheffield's a Hall of Famer. Gary Sheffield was one of the more dominant and scary right-handed bats in Major League Baseball and, and had one of the more vicious swings you've ever seen and yet still didn't strike out that much. He was an absolute force everywhere he went, and I know he went a lot of different places. I get it. I, I know he worked his way out of Milwaukee. People want to hold that against him, and I know he, he rubbed some... Uh, cream on his leg that was steroid-related. He fully admitted to it. Doesn't mean that was the only thing he ever did, but he did admit to that. And it was during a time period where, you know, everyone was doing it, and it, it, you know, I don't think Gary Sheffield got immensely bigger or different body type the way we've seen some other guys. And then there's some of the guys who didn't necessarily show that kind of change. But, like, for me, Gary Sheffield is an absolute no-brain Hall of Famer. He's the he was a, a a devastating right-handed hitter. He's a 292 right-handed hitter. 
He's a power-hitting 300 hitter with 500 home runs and was a scary son of a gun at the plate. You did not want Gary Sheffield up there. You did not. I'm, I, Adrian Beltre, 3,000 hits, five gold gloves, a couple platinum gloves. I'll give him the defense, no doubt. The longevity, 3,000 hits, fine. Who would you rather? F- he got 95% of the vote. If you're a pitcher going up against the lineup, you got bases loaded, two outs, and either Adrian Beltre's coming to the plate or Gary Sheffield, who you want up? Who you want to face? It's not even close for me. I'd rather face Adrian Beltre. Gary Sheffield's a Hall of Famer. And I, I, I don't, you know, I, I just, I, and I think the steroid argument's weak with him. Now, I'm in for everybody. I think all the steroid guys should be in. I think they should, everybody should play under the suspicion of the steroid era. From Derek Jeter and, and Ken Griffey Jr. to Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, they should be part of a wing or have it on their plaque, play during the steroid era. It sucks, but you were part of the union that allowed it to happen. Your union representative compared it to smoking cigarettes. You guys didn't make sure it was out of the game just as much as Major League Baseball didn't make sure it's out of the game. Nobody, you, Nobody's going to call you out on it, but you played under the suspicion of the steroid era. That's how I would do it. Whatever. It's not going to happen. These guys are being held back. It's BS. You can't tell the story of Major League Baseball without Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. It's so stupid, but it is what it is. And as far as Joe Maurer, Joe Maurer is close for me. And not that I care. I've, I've argued against the first ballot Hall of Fame being a big thing forever. I, you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. And the idea that people won't vote for people because, oh, I don't know if he deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You're either Hall of Famer or you're not. But considering how many different people did not get in on their first or second or third or fourth attempt, and that Joe Maurer slides right in on his first uh, attempt, I I do not view him as a no-brainer Hall of Famer. Now, there was a time he's the best. You know, he won two batting titles as a catcher, was a great defensive catcher. Joe Maurer was a force for a while. Half of his career is DH first baseman, and he does not profile for that at all. You could argue half of his career, half, he wasn't a very good baseball player. Like you could you could argue that he is not warranted to be a legitimate first baseman in Major League Baseball. Like half of his career is underwhelming. Half, not a couple years. Not at the tail end of his career. Half of his career. Like he played Uh, I'm trying to do fielding. Hold on. He played a total of 921 games as catcher. And he played a total of 913 games as first base DH. That's half of his career. Half of his career was a catcher and half of his career was a first baseman and or DH. And if you look at some of those years... Yeah, he had a good batting average, but you are talking about uh, after 2012. So 2012, he has 10 home runs, 85 RBIs, hits 320, leads Major League Baseball in on-base percentage. After that, 2013, 11 home runs, 47 RBIs. Four home runs, 55 RBIs. 10 home runs, 66 RBIs. 11 home runs, 49 RBIs. Seven home runs, 71 RBIs. Six home runs, 48 RBIs. 
That's as a DH first baseman. Those are, you know, now he's uh, to go along with a 324 batting average, 277, 265, 261, 305, 282. But he has multiple years of below 280 with barely double digit home runs or less and under 70 RBIs as a first baseman. And that's half his career. Now, I'm not saying he's definitely not a Hall of Famer. I have no problem with him being in the Hall of Fame for the years he did play catcher and won three batting titles as a catcher, which is unheard of. And he's just playing out a a right-handed hitter uh, in Major League Baseball as, uh, actually, yeah, as uh, 15 years, I'm sorry, just whatever, 15-year career hitter for 300. I mean, that's... Uh, left-handed hitter. I knew I was wrong when I said it. As soon as I said it, I knew I was wrong. Anyway, sorry. Uh, but to have a 315 years and hit 300, win three batting titles as a catcher, it's impressive. And he's absolutely, you know, borderline Hall of Famer. But that's that's a long time to be ineffective and not really profile as your position. Uh, Maury and Belmore. What's up, Maury? Tonight is your night, bro. Tonight is your night, bro. I'm assuming if you're talking Hackman, somebody said Hoosiers, right? Of course, we said Hoosiers. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't, what, I don't, I think it's a little bit. It's a good movie. I think it's a little overrated, but it's good. Yeah, definitely overrated. But there was nothing like it at the time, so I yeah. think it was, it was awesome. What was the one with uh, with Will Smith in it? Enemy I mean, of the State. That was pretty good, man. I, I like that, that movie good. too. Yeah, great flick. He great made a lot of so good let, movies later in his life. It's amazing. Yeah, I feel bad for him now because he's not, he's not doing very well. I believe. Well, I mean, he's ninety four. Ninety four. He's a baby. Yeah, he's a baby. May we all be such babies? I may. Yes, exactly. So, uh, real quick, I yeah. love getting you know Taj is back on the next you know yep, for a ten day contract, Sunday, for which t- is yep. great. I think Tibbs loves him. He's great to have on the team. I like what we're doing. I, we're not panicking. Uh, it looks like we we got lucky with Randall. Let's keep rolling. Don't make any stupid trades. Let's rest over the All Star break. Yeah. And then they keep coming. Keeps. There's a rumor about this Golden State. This kid. You know, they want to trade for this Golden State outside shooter. We all know who he is. We could have drafted him. We never did. Would you take him? Are you, are you so, wait? Are you talking about? You're not talking about who I think you're talking about. Oh yes, I am. Hurry, in a hurry. You want to? I don't know if they'll trade for Curry. I don't know if you. I hear the rumors. They're ready to roll. They're ready to rebuild. There, they want to trade. They want to get rid of Curry. Curry wants out. How great would that be to get him in the in the world's most famous arena, baby? I mean, impossible, yeah. right? I mean, it's just it's so it's so hard to fathom. I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine trading for Curry. Now, what it would take? I don't even know. I can't even begin to speculate. Like you, it's going to take a ton of picks. It it may take, you know, I just, I don't know if I want to do that to this team. Like that is, I'd much rather do that in the off season. I know it sounds crazy because you got a chance to win this year. And depending on what it is, you bring Curry to this team. But then, I mean, that changes so much of who they are. That's a tough one. It's amazing that I don't love it, right? It's amazing that right off the bat you can get Steph Curry here and I'm not like, yeah, do it. Like it's I don't know. And even if I could, right? I'd rather do that in the offseason and shape my team and get ready for it than thrust that upon them right now. I I just I don't know about that one. I don't know what it would take. 
I don't think they could. I don't think they would do that, man. I understand you're talking about rebuilding and stuff, and, and they're probably not never going to get back to their same heights. But that team, there's, there's value in keeping a guy like that. Like I just, I don't know. I don't think I would do it. It's crazy. I got to think about that one. I don't. I don't think I could do it. I must be an idiot. I must be an idiot. I've been awake too long. That's it for me. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. We had some fun with Gene Hackman. Who knew? Kurt Russell and Gene Hackman. I'll catch you guys again tomorrow, 2 a.m. Fliegelman, thank you. Jack, thank you for coming and swinging by. And thank you for dealing with Fliegelman on the other side. I know he's tough. I can see it. The stress on Jack's face dealing with Fliegelman all day. Enjoy the warm-up show. I'll catch you guys again tomorrow, too. We're out of here. Let's go, Knicks. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. FM. WFAU.